0: What
1: it is to be all to Excellence has been established by Coach Wilkinson, Coach Witzer, and Coach students. It's my responsibility to defend that standard and to build upon that standard. Welcome to the Oklahoma Trove Podcast. With your host, Jesse Curtin and Brian Clinton.
2: Hello, Sooner Nation. OU Insider subscribers, Coach Brian Clinton enthusiasts, Baker Mayfield believers, which you probably should be after the thrashing he gave the Eagles, the team I hate, more than life itself. That's not the right, that's not the right, that's not the way I meant for that to come out, but it's accurate. Baker Mayfield and the Bucks absolutely killed the Eagles. We're going to get into that. Because this is the latest episode of the Oklahoma Drill, a podcast fueled by OU Insider and the Rivals Network. I am Jesse Crittenden, and I am, of course, always, as always, joined by Coach Sir Brian Esquire Clinton. I'm going to keep shaking it up. I'm going to keep and keep you on your toes. Brian, I know you may not uh, feel like you, – you may not hate the Eagles – as much as uh, as much as i do but uh baker mayfield he's good it, a, he's a good player <laughs> yeah. good nfl
0: player good at football yeah like I, I mean it's crazy he's had eight nfl coaches is that right is it eight coaches and, and something he's still able to he's got twice as many playoff wins as the browns do in the last 30
2: years which is he yeah, he has the same amount of playoff wins as my dallas cowboys uh, over the last several years, we're not going to talk about that. Um, yeah, uh, it turns out when you uh, when you're not involved in the most chaotic, poorly operated franchise, maybe in professional sports, you can have some success, like yeah. Baker Mayfield. So there's been, you know, I think that was that was a pretty cool moment on uh, on Monday night for OU football fans. But Brian, we got a lot to talk about. Weirdly enough, even though it's mid-January, <laughs> this is usually when things are are dead aco- across uh at least college football. Um, but a lot of stuff to talk about, I think, that that are that is of interest to OU fans in general. And I think the first one, you know, we kind of talked about it last week. We talked about OU hiring Zach Alley as the new defensive coordinator. Well, I know you and I and many others got questions about when's it going to become official? Is there any concern? No, there was no concern. They had to figure some things out. They finally uh, officially announced him. Uh, when was that? Saturday? It was Saturday, Saturday morning. Yep. I was I was in Lawrence, Kansas, in my hotel room, getting ready to go to OU Kansas basketball. And, of course, that's when they decide to officially Announced that Zach Alley had been hired as co-defensive coordinator, mm. uh, but yes, as defensive coordinator, uh, Brian. Anything surprise you about uh, about anything that was announced? And uh, does it feel good that you know the the weight's kind of finally over? There's no there's no panic among the fan base. They know Zach Alley's their guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was surprised. I was surprised by the co-defensive coordinator tag. Um, that's not really at least what I expected. Um, but again, as we discussed before the podcast started, that's kind of become a norm, uh, you know, around college football and, and more so on the defensive side of the ball, it seems like, uh, maybe even than offensive coordinators, you know, obviously Oklahoma's got, uh, co-coordinator designations on both offense and defense now. um, I mean, as far as the hire, we talked about it last week. I really, I really like the hire for Oklahoma. I think it's a great fit. Uh, probably by the time that this drops, we'll have a, a video on YouTube. Uh, I, I I took. If you're a film junkie, you know how long it takes to watch six games worth of film, um, and I I watched about six games worth of of Jacksonville State last week or last weekend and uh broke down some things in a video that we'll have uh for you guys out there on on the OU Insider YouTube channel but uh you know good stuff really aggressive uh really like the fit and as far as uh you know the the weight being over yeah it's it's nice because i think and this is probably any major college fan base but anytime things don't go exactly as planned uh, Oklahoma fans w- are, are a passionate bunch and uh, they they sometimes can get uh, a little rowdy whenever things like that get, uh, you know, maybe don't go the way that they expect them to right away. So uh, good things, though. I mean, it, it's all over. You have um, really good cohesion for a, a team that just lost its offensive and defensive coordinator. It sounds really weird, but Oklahoma's replacing its OC, its D.C., it's starting quarterback from the year, um, and and yet it feels like you know this feels like this group has kind of been together for a while just just with the way that uh, the the coordinator hires went. So I don't know. I mean, what do you think on on that portion of things? Because it it does it, it does feel a little weird to say it, but there there's good there's good cohesion with the group with the coaching staff.
2: Well, it's interesting you say that because, you know, right before I went to Lawrence last weekend uh, for basketball, I was at the OU Board of Regents meeting. And while they didn't approve, they didn't talk about Zach Alley because the the hire hadn't become official yet, they did extend and give raises to every OU assistant coach. And they did that a little bit earlier than they normally do. And actually, uh, OU president, um, Joseph Faraz actually kind of alluded to that during the, or not kind of, he he said that explicitly during the meeting. He said that this is happening a little bit earlier than it normally would, but Coach Venables, if it was important to him to get this done, to get these guys extended, to get, to give them raises. Uh, he also said that they're going to look at, or he at least implied that they're going to look at Venables' contract uh, later during the summer, which I thought was interesting, uh, making it seem like they're going to give him an extension or some sort of raise or something. So that's going to be interesting. But yeah, in terms of cohesion, I mean, all of those extensions for every assistant coach um, outside of of Alley, because that's hasn't hasn't become finalized in paper, you know, in writing yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all of those contracts now they run through twenty twenty six or twenty twenty seven. And every coach got a uh, pretty significant raise. They're kind of varying levels. Um, go to OUinsider.com if you want to look at my story about how much everything's changed. But, um, yeah, I think it's it's pretty clear to me that that Brent saw this as, yeah, as you just mentioned, this is a lot of change. To to lose Ted Roof, to lose Jeff Levy, to lose Dylan Gabriel, this is a lot of change. And I think it was important not only to extend his trust in those assistant coaches, but also I think to send a message that, no, this is our group, This is the group I'm excited about. He actually says that in the press release um, that they sent out about Zach Alley. He said, I'm really excited about this defensive staff. Um, He's quoted as saying that. So yeah, I think, I think that's, that's interesting. And I do, I agree with you. I think the thing that also interests me because in addition to Zach Alley becoming co-defensive coordinator, um, Jay Vali, the cornerbacks coach, is now also um, assistant head coach for defense. That has been added to his title. Mm-hmm. Do you know his full title now? It's kind of a kind of a mouthful. Do you know his full I, title? I, I I
0: can't recite it, but I would like to hear it. That would be great.
2: This is a, this is official from OU. Jay Vali's title is now assistant head coach for defense, co defensive coordinator, and pass defense. Or wait. Sorry. I'm just going to read it as it says assistant head coach for defense, slash co defensive coordinator, slash pass defense, slash cornerbacks and nickelbacks. Hmm. It's a lot of words. That's a lot. So I am curious what the, what the, not that it's a huge title change or an addition to a title for Jay Valai, but that does make me wonder. Um, and OU was pretty adamant. I mean, Zach Alley is the co-defensive coordinator. That is, that is his official title. That does make me wonder what kind of impact that has in terms of how everything is going to run. Does that? Is it really that different from just being the sole defensive coordinator? Is there a distinction with that co-defensive title? What are Jay JVALI's additional responsibilities? That is something I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a little curious about and yeah. I don't know if there's a firm answer right now.
0: Well, you know, uh... I I think it's really interesting. That's a good point that you make because you know it really seems like we've seen obviously Zach Alley has has experience with linebackers uh you know and then and then Jerry as far as as far as defensive backs go I mean that's your guy him and, and uh, Brandon Hall obviously um but how all of that stuff breaks down and in uh you know each each coaching staff is different. Each room is different in how they're going to prepare, uh, for games week to week or, and prepared in the off season, you know, teams, it's going to, it's going to vary differently. So I, I'm curious how all of that really works out amongst the staff, especially once they start getting into spring football, uh, and, you know, right in, in, into um, summer works out, workouts and things of, of that nature. It seems like there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of responsibility that, you would be placing on, you know, still a 30-year-old uh, coach and and I I can't help but wonder if maybe that's part of the reason why that designation was given uh just, you know, with his experience maybe not being at the level that you you might expect for uh, for somebody that that's taking over a program like Oklahoma. Now, again, I in no way, shape, or form am I saying that he's not cut out to be the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. I don't think that Brent Venables would have went out and hired a guy if he didn't feel that he was ready. Um, and Brent has has spoken glowingly of of what Ali brings to the table. So, um, you know, probably at the end of the day, if I was to guess, it's it's more or less about, uh, you know, titles typically come with some sort of raise, and, and Jay Vali has become a really – valuable part of this staff uh, he's done a really good job uh, not just in recruiting but but helping develop the the secondary and I think that that's probably a, just a good way of keeping somebody on who m- maybe has other opportunities out there uh, that that he might peek at had he not uh, gotten some sort of elevation this offseason
2: I agree my guess is that while there is a while there is a co- defensive coordinator title for Zach Alley. My guess is this is still Zach Alley's going to be calling the place yeah. and it's going to be a lot of working with Brent in terms of the framework and, and mapping things out schematically game plan wise. Mm-hmm. And and maybe Jay Valai has a little bit more input from a big picture sense. Um, but I think this is, you know, I, I don't, I think it's, it almost gets semantical, I think. Let me ways.
0: ask you this because I'm curious I, I don't know how it really works, but is there any way that that this change in designation could affect how or what they're able to do on like game day like as far as being up in the box or being on the field level? is there any is there any advantage to there being co designations or is that just I mean it
1: doesn't matter. it's pretty
0: cut and dry how many coaches you can have
1: here and there. This episode of the Oklahoma Drill Podcast is brought to you by Joy Mode. Looking to spice up your intimate moments? Joy Mode makes all-natural and science-backed supplements dedicated to helping men perform better across their core functions. It's a revolutionary alternative to the little blue pill, and it comes in a palm-sized packet like your favorite electrolyte powder. All you have to do is mix it into 6 to 8 ounces of water, wait 45 minutes, and watch the magic unfold. Here are the game changers. All ingredients have been assessed in peer-reviewed journals, and all ingredients have been studied and researched in humans. You'll never go back to prescription or over-the-counter drugs after trying Joy Mode, and it's small enough to fit in your wallet and take with you on the go. It's the perfect travel companion. So go to usejoymode.com for 20% off with code INSIDER. That's 20% off and free shipping with code INSIDER at usejoymode.com. Joy Mode ingredients with integrity and a proud sponsor of the Oklahoma Drill Podcast.
2: No, that's a I mean that's an interesting question. Not that I know of. Uh I don't I don't think so. Um I think a lot of times because I mean that was even a that was even a question that um Seth Latrell got asked which is about you know is he gonna be in, is he going to be in the box calling plays or is he going to be on the field? Mm-hmm. I, I it is I don't think so, but I don't I don't want to say that for sure. That's right. some, that's interesting to think about. Yeah. It is, um, but the 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 co defensive coordinator thing is also interesting because today, as we're recording, which is this is Wednesday, uh, it was announced that Ted Roof, the former OU defensive coordinator, is heading to UCF to become. Uh, part of their staff also as the co-defensive coordinator mm-hmm. which is interesting um he uh, he was at UCF in 2011 as the defensive coordinator now he's heading back as co-defensive coordinator um but again it's you know I think for one just the co-title is interesting especially uh you know we talked about Zach Allen. you mentioned like his experience he's 30 years old Ted Roof is 60 and has been around a long time but um, I think that if nothing else, this makes it pretty clear to me that um, what happened, I mean, what Brent Venables laid out in the press release about Ted Roof's departure is wanted to go in a different direction, offered him a chance to, to stay on in another role. Ted Roof said, no, I want to keep coaching. What does Ted Roof do? He goes to UCF to become the co-defensive coordinator. Yep. It just seems, I mean, it was pretty clear that once the season ended, they just wanted different things. Brent didn't want him to be a defensive coordinator anymore. Ted wanted to be a defensive coordinator elsewhere. I think the UCF fit is actually pretty interesting. I think that's an interesting fit. What I mean, what do you think?
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, that's 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 exactly what I thought um whenever the whenever the first report was kind of circulating around Twitter um that was my first thought was that's an that's interesting. You know, cuz he was he was obviously with with Malzahn at, at Auburn uh for a few years and and helped him win that that 2010 season and 2011 national championship that they did when he was a part of that staff. So, um, really interesting fit. And as I kind of dove into, you know, the story and was writing, you go back and he's been the defensive coordinator at like 13 different places over his time, uh, in division one. So this is a guy that's, you know, again, he's, he sticks around for a couple of years, helps build something. Uh, or helps maybe fix something, set it on track, and then moves on to the next challenge, it kind of feels like. And, uh, you know, I think that there's the pieces there uh, for for UCF uh, to be better defensively. I mean, they they have the pieces there. And what's interesting is, you know, as Oklahoma and Texas leave for for the SEC and they transition out, you know, you've got Colorado and and Arizona schools and, and Utah coming in. But I think what a lot of people fail to realize is, UCF is and will be one of the better recruiting teams in that conference. Now, transitioning into the Big 12, yes, it may take a couple of years, but at some point, just given where they're located uh, and given the same amount of, of resources as the other teams in that conference, you could look in five years and UCF could be unquestionably the most talented team in that conference. Like, yeah. I mean, from top to bottom, and so, you know, I I think it's a really interesting fit for him because if they can get things headed in the right track defensively, uh, and you know they're bringing in KJ Jefferson from Arkansas this year, if they can get things headed in the right track and get some momentum on the field going, I mean that thing could really take off quickly. Uh, you know, they're they're in a really fertile recruiting ground, obviously there in Orlando, and and uh, you know it's it's just it's interesting to see ted roof end up in the big 12 after oklahoma is leaving but particularly at ucf it's i think it's a good fit uh and it's a high there's there's a chance for a high ceiling there for him absolutely
2: i agree with you i do i think ucf is i think it's a team that that some people are going to overlook heading into next season i'm telling you now don't yep. don't overlook ucf uh, and i think because i think the big 12 is going to be wonky next year oh, with without wild. absolutely <laughs> yeah. wild. Without OU in Texas, with adding even more teams, it's it's going to be a huge conference. Um, I think it's just going to be hard to predict, and it just would not shock me at all if, if a team like UCF yeah, I yeah, mean, but, I made, mean some, there, made some waves.
0: There's legitimately eight teams that could make an argument that they should be the preseason number one team in the conference next year. Like, legitimately. I mean, Arkansas – uh, Arizona kind of loses a little bit of, of their uh, luster with Jed Fish leaving, but if they if they bring back Noah Fafita and they've got McMillan back, uh, I mean, they're you, you have them, you've got Utah, you've got Oklahoma State, you've got Kansas State, uh, West Virginia's coming off a nine win season. UCF has RJ Harvey and and uh, you know, as I mentioned, Jefferson at quarterback and all kinds of guys returning there. Uh, Kansas is coming off of a nine-win season. Iowa State is somebody that people just continue to forget about. Uh, there's yeah. there's literally teams everywhere that could that could play a role in that conference. Uh, and then you have Deion Sanders in Colorado, like just to throw it in throw it in on top of it. So yeah, it'll be a fun conference. And uh, you know he's going to have his work cut out for him there at UCF trying to cover all those different uh, cover up all those different
2: offenses. It'll be it'll be fun to watch. Mention jet fish leaving Arizona for Washington. And I think that's kind of an interesting way to, to kind of segue into, I mean, as coaching, you know, as, as OU hires a new co-defensive coordinator, I mean, God, that the college football coaching landscape, the last few days has been just nuts. And obviously it really started with Nick Saban leaving, which is so weird because I think I just assumed he would coach forever like he would just always be at Alabama and he'll never die and he'll just be there when I'm 90 years old. He's still going to be coaching at, yeah. at at Alabama. Um but it is I don't think we've ever seen an impact of a coach retiring. I don't think we've ever seen it have this kind of impact. Not only on the school itself and all of the, the players that have entered the portal, all the recruits that have decommitted. I think it's more than 20. At the, it's crazy the, the yep. number that it is, um, including some really high-profile, both recruits and current players, mm-hmm. um, but also the effect that it's had on the co- the coaching search. I mean, obviously, uh, now Arizona's got a new coach. Washington's got a new coach. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is clearly interviewing for some jobs in the NFL. Michigan uh, could be getting a new coach. Brian, this is—it's kind of a mess, and I think we're still very early in the process of how much this, how much things could change, and how much stuff there, there still is to shake out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's look, the the big thing is is the timing of it, because not only are losing, let let's say Nick Saban was his, let's say his seventeenth year of coaching was like twenty fourteen and he hung it up in 2014. There would still be a major impact just given the amount of success that he's had. That job is going to be highly sought after, you know, blah, blah, blah. But given the fact that we're headed into 2024, you have the largest amount of conference realignment that you're going to deal with um, ever to this point. Uh, you've got the the Pac-12 obviously is is disintegrating. Uh, you've got all of these changes to NIL and the transfer portal. You've got second year guys right now because of the uh, legal tie-ups that are going on. Second year, second time transfers can enter the portal right now and um, you know, they can, they can leave and and be eligible next season. You have all of these things happening. And then on top of that, the best coach in college football history is, is hanging it up. And that domino effect is something that's going to be felt on to an extent. I feel that's going to be something that's felt on every roster and coaching staff. I mean, how far does that, how far does that domino fall there? There's sure the direct impact that it's had on, on Washington, for example, The maybe the worst thing that's happened to Washington football in the last, half decade is Nick Sab- Nick Saban deciding to 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 hang it up because Kalen DeBoer leaves and then all of those players that were part of that run it it's just incredible and then you think about when when these guys decide to start building out their recruiting staffs building out their support staffs obviously their on-field coaching staffs the the roster turnover it's it's wild how big of a mess that this is is going to to cause for other teams and you know it may not impact uh it may not impact Kent state directly but I do feel like schools like that are going to have players or coaches or support staff plucked away from them in a result of uh, you know, as a result of the domino continuing to fall uh, as other staffs and, and uh, at other places are being built. So, yeah, it's it's huge. And I'll be honest, you know, it was a different feeling, obviously, Mike Leach passing away last year and, and losing somebody like that in such a tragic way, but to lose Leach and then to lose – Nick Saban as far as football goes being on the sidelines in back-to-back years, you know, it, it, one, it makes me feel old, but two, I just feel like college football just isn't, it, it doesn't, it's not going to feel the same. It's not going to feel the same with those guys gone. So um, I don't know. It, it, it's huge. It's, it's, it's a big time change and something that's going to take me a while to to adjust to for sure.
2: I gotta be honest, man, because w- when Saban, Announced he was retiring. My first thought is, I mean, yeah, obviously this is a this is a an incredibly impactful, significant thing for all of college football. But then my next thought is, who who are they going to get, and who wants that job? Right. Not only to follow up Saban, which seems like an impossible task, but you're not going to be playing with the same deck of cards as we're seeing right now with the amount of players who are decommitting, the amount of players who are are leaving uh, who are entering the transfer portal. Who knows what's going to happen with the coaching staff to, to me, Brian, I'm kind of, I don't know. I'm not saying Alabama is not more prestigious, even with Saban leaving. But to me, I'm pretty surprised that DeBoer was so excited to jump Washington, who just made the national championship, who just made the final game of the season to Go not only try to live up to Sabin standard, but to do it without the same resources. And I think that's really interesting for one. And two, I think not to be on a soapbox or not to even necessarily complain or give out a bunch of hot takes. But I got to tell you, man, we can't have a discussion about the transfer portal needs to be fixed and high school recruiting needs to be fixed. And there's tampering and blah. blah. We cannot have that kind of discussion, especially doesn't need to come from coaches. If there are coaches who are willing and excited to jump ship very soon after the season ends, not only just anywhere, but for a program that just, just made the national championship game. Right. Like if you're a, if you're a kid on that Washington program, how are you not devastated? Oh, 100%. How are you not you devastated? Yeah. You couldn't have seen that coming. Nobody could have seen it coming. And I'm, look, I'm not trying to like, it's easy for me as an outsider. I'm not, I've am not. I never been in a, a Power 5 head coach. I will never be a Power 5 head coach. Those guys know more about football and the business of football than I will ever know in a million lifetimes. But to me, I do, there is a part of me that's like, why are we going to put unfair criticism or expectations on players when it's pretty clear that what do a lot of coaches do They look out for themselves to find the best opportunity, the same thing as players do. Yeah. I I don't know. That was kind of my thought. I'm not saying there's not a better opportunity for DeBoer. I'm not saying I don't get it, but like he was gone. I mean, within days Mm -hmm. of a horribly, I mean, an incredibly successful season, but a devastating end to it. Yeah. You know, I I don't know. Maybe that's that's too no, big of an a topic no, to I, to broach. But I don't
0: think you're I don't think you're off at all. I mean, it's the some of the the moral the moral things that coaches try to instill uh, um, in their players. You know, being being responsible, being dependable, being you know, on time, being you know, have, being loyal to to the uh, to the grind and those things, it does lose some of its salt whenever you when you look at it from that perspective. And I don't think that I think it's a perfectly justified perspective because it it's it's one thing to it's one thing to leave a program for an opportunity. Okay, here a good example: if Dabo Swinney would have left. Clemson to take the Alabama job, if that would have happened. Clemson, it's been a, it's been tough the last couple of years. There's been plenty of reason for him to potentially want to get out of there, and Alabama is some is where he played football and somewhere that he's been linked to for however long. It would have made sense. Uh, they're coming off a nine and four year. Devore just took Washington to its first national championship game in over thirty years. They went fourteen and one, and they had arguably one of the more incredible seasons I can remember. Just as far as coming out of the blue and becoming as dominant as they were, Um, it it was just an incredible year. And what I don't get is, you know, yes, Washington is is stepping into the Big Ten, and they have uh, a gauntlet themselves. But I mean, how do you sell a guy on, hey, you know, you're coming in, yeah. Probably going to lose quite a bit of this roster after Saban leaves, or after Sabin left, but, um, you know, you should still have the pieces in place to go in there and compete with Georgia, Tennessee, Missouri, LSU, Oklahoma, Auburn. Like, you have all of those guys first year and, oh, by the way, you're following up somebody that won seven national championships and nine SEC titles. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's so difficult. And it's not like, you know, I know he got a raise, but it's not like he wasn't getting paid well at Washington. So I I don't know. Yes. I agree with you. It's a long way, long drawn out way of saying, I agree with you, but it, it is wild that that's where we're at.
2: I'll say, look, I'll say, that's the thing. Look, like, I think it's even it's, I mean, it's not the same thing, but it's even, you know, I've said when it comes to like the NBA, when players jump ship, leave Mm -hmm. at request trades, I think a lot of people think of it from a competitive standpoint. Like, no, you should stay put and, and try to win there. There's so much that goes into the career that an athlete or a coach decides to have because you got to think about a lot of times you're thinking about your family, uh, location where you live, the the future of the program where you're at, the, your relationship with the program, what's happened the last few years. There's there's a ton of money, there's a ton of stuff you're thinking about. But I don't know. That was my like. To me, it's not about criticizing DeBoer necessarily. It's more about like, hey. Coaches are going to do a lot of coaches are going to ultimately do what they think is best for them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why we shouldn't be okay with players doing the same thing. It's Absol- it.
0: yes, no. That's that's a good point, and maybe I was a, a little off kilter in trying to say what I was saying. I think I think we have, I think we've walked the line, we've towed the line with the difference between amateurism and professionalism in in college football versus the NFL for a long time. I think we've just reached the point in realizing these guys are more or less professionals and they should probably be looked at that way if if they're going to be um, compensated the way that they are. But you also need to understand that if they're being compensated that way and you look at them that way, then it should be okay for them to make a business decision yeah that like i mean that's just the world we live in now so um yeah no good point good point huh.
2: so i didn't mean to get us off in a tangent but that was just i don't know um let's not hold coaches to a lower standard than we hold college kids yep that would be yeah that would be that would be my that'd be <laughs> my takeaway um but it is but all but all of it's crazy i think we kind of thought jed fish would be a prime candidate for somewhere else i think you know, we don't have to say everything we just said, so we're yeah, just talking that, about it from a from a woman, move. If we're talking about it from a move perspective. That move makes sense to me. Yeah, it That does. one,
0: I honestly, I was on the opposite side of that. I didn't think the Arizona, the move from Arizona to Washington, made sense. Oh, you don't? I, I didn't. No, I, I think Explain Arizona. Yourself? Well, I think Arizona has they they were returning eighteen to twenty two starters. We saw that team in, in person. Really yeah, good football They're team. good. And a year of experience for all of those guys coming back. I mean, they had all the momentum in the world. They just won their uh, 10 games in a season for the fourth time ever. You have all this momentum, and you finally built up this program. That was, I mean, it's not to the extent of what Lance Lypole did at Kansas, but Arizona was bad whenever he got there. They were bad. Yeah, that's fair. And now they're headed to the Big 12. Which you know we just talked about how wacky it's going to be, but still you are one of probably three or four legitimate contenders in my eyes uh, to to make not just a Big Twelve championship but but a college football playoff. Now at Washington, I don't have their schedule in front of me, but I can tell you the schedule that Washington's going to play next year is going to be more difficult than what Arizona has. Um, and and maybe that opportunity was just too big for him to pass up. I don't, I don't pretend to know what Jed fish's ultimate goal is. Does he want to go back to the NFL at some point and be a head coach? Maybe. And maybe if that's, if that is his end game, then it makes sense because if he can be successful somewhere else besides Arizona, obviously, you know, that it's going to just add to his, to his repertoire. So I, I, I don't know. I'm, I uh, I saw that and was, was taken aback. I, I was thinking to myself, eh, that one, I don't know that I agree with that one. I th- I think that he may have been better off at Arizona. But, I mean, like you just said, you never know what somebody's motives are uh, until they tell you.
2: Well, and that's fair. And it would have been cool to see him stick around um, at Arizona and continue to build that. I just, I kind of, as I was sitting in those, in those press conferences and listening to him talk and watching and, and just spending time in San Antonio, it just... It seemed pretty clear to me he was not gonna be at Arizona for the long haul. I, I don't even know even necessarily why I felt that way. Um, I just don't I just don't get the sense from him that he's gonna stay put f- somewhere for too terribly long. And I do think he, ultimately he's gonna get at some point he's gonna get snatched up somewhere in the NFL. Yeah. I'm not even saying as a head coach right away, necessarily or ever. Mm-hmm. But to me that that seems like a natural trajectory for him and if you're while arizona i think is going to be good i think they're absolutely going to be a big 12 contender if if like to me the move to washington makes sense if that is true from that perspective in the sense of washington's about to go to the big 10 it's a little bit of a bigger stage washington just made the the national championship game again like i don't i think he's going to hang around washington for a couple of years and then see what else is out there and assuming assuming he has success at washington
0: did you see where he? Um, they he was asked about acquiring his staff, and he said that he was going. To, he wanted to try and get. I'm paraphrasing here, but he was going to offer every single coach from Arizona an opportunity to come and coach with him at Washington. Like just came out blatantly and said it.
2: No, I didn't see that. So
0: like, I it was just odd to see. Like, I mean, we know that it happens, but for him in a in a public forum to just come out and blatantly admit, yeah, I, I mean if they'll come here, I want them I, I, again. It's just kind of where college football is now.
2: Well, let's see that again, goes back to like, again, I'm not, I'm not going to judge anybody for sec- circumstances. I don't know. I'm not in those guys' shoes, but mm-hmm. like, again, if we're expecting players to be committed and for players to listen to coaches and for players to be bought in and, and, and be dug in and don't move. I mean, yep. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. God, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, but like, <laughs> Come on now, what are we, what are we talking about here? Like at least have the same expectations for everybody or just accept that this is the state of college football and we can't really be judging anybody. I I don't, I don't know. I don't know. On to something else because this is, I'm going to get annoyed at myself for no reason (laughs) going to make myself irritated. Um, I think we're still going to see college football. I mean, I think this is um, the consequences of Nick Saban leaving and everything that that's going to change. I think we're still in the beginning. I think we're, we're going to keep an eye on Alabama to see what all continues to come out of that. Not to mention that the portal window will open up again in the spring. Mm. Really curious to see what happens over the next couple of months, Brian. It, it was pretty cool uh, on Monday to see. Cause you know, I know a lot of OU fans, you know, keep up with the NFL in some form or fashion. Like a lot, there's a lot of Dallas Cowboys fans, um, or there's fans of Baker Mayfield or Jalen Hurts or CeeDee Lamb or, or Kyler Murray, whoever else. It was pretty cool to see not only Baker Mayfield and, and Jalen Hurts go against each other, um, but it was pretty cool to see OU, tw- like a lot of OU social media, OU fans really locked in that game yeah. and watching that and how cool that was to see those two guys go against each other. But to me, it was the reminder that, um, you know, and the, obviously the Bucks won that game 32-9, to nine, which just what a story for that team to to lose Brady and uh, to pick up Baker, everything that comes with that. But to me, it was a reminder of like, while OU has a – fans have a soft spot for a lot of OU alumni. Like, they're always going to cheer for a lot of different guys in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Baker is the, – the affection that fans have for Baker and how much they root for him is second to none, man. I don't know if I've ever seen anything quite like it. Baker is – always going to be a legend yeah and i thought it was pretty dang cool to see them rally behind him and the bucks get to win on monday beginning a win that, that was pretty cool yeah. it just once
0: and you're you're 100 correct like the the fandom that has persisted for for baker mayfield since he left i mean it doesn't feel like that 2017 season was really that long ago like I mean, I
2: remember it vividly.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's still he's still at the forefront of of Oklahoma uh, football, and just as far like I mean, just think about it on Twitter. Like there, every season that comes around, I mean, there's several there's graphics or 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 gifts or whatever that are are used to, and and they're centered around Baker Mayfield. And uh, I mean, I see more I, I see more six jerseys at OU football games than anybody else like even like current players there's still like Mayfield is is the guy there so um yeah it, it's it's incredible and and for him you know I, I think what's really awesome is they they may go up to Detroit and, and run into a, a a juggernaut there which is hilarious to say about the Detroit Lions but Detroit's been really good and even if their season does end this week what baker mayfield has done this season it was resurgent i mean it was absolutely a resurgent season for his career i mean he he this is the best season that he's had uh to this point in the nfl uh that 2020 season was was really good with the browns but as far as him as a player it was really he just looks comfortable he looks like he looks like himself if we're comparing himself to to what we saw from him at Oklahoma. Um, He's having fun. He's the biggest fan of his teammates. He's actually able to, you know, it it feels as if that locker room has really molded and, and, and joined around him and made him the nucleus of the team, which I think is a huge compliment considering that Tom Brady was that guy right before him. So if he wasn't living up to the standard of excellence or to a standard that, um you know was acceptable for that team i think they would have either outed him like you know they would have said something about it it would have been addressed um or you would you would see it just in how he uh you know is is talking with with the other players or the support staff or whatever on the team um but this feels like baker mayfield's team and it's just like i, I don't know i think that's incredible considering he's following up the greatest quarterback you know that this sports scene as far as accolades go um it, it's just really cool and it's it's it, i'm I'm happy for the guy because as far as critics go with with how uh, animated of a person he is there there's there's no shortage of critics i mean that's that's always been something uh that that he's been able to to use as fuel but since the time in the NFL being with some of the players and coaches that he was with in Cleveland to now see him having success and people saying, okay, I was wrong about Baker Mayfield is, is just really awesome.
2: Hard not to root for a guy like him. It made me, uh, made me feel a little bit better after my Dallas Cowboys got, uh... Just get it out, man.
0: Just get it out. Just, uh, you have the floor for 30 Why? seconds. Just go for it.
2: Why do we do this every year? We get to the playoffs and we forget how to play football. Like we forget, like we just forget how to do. I, I'm surprised we are. we the players are and coaches are able to get, to get to the stadium. I, I'm just glad they're able to get out of bed. I'm. I don't know how they remember to walk. They got on the field against the Packers and just decided they just they turned into vegetables out there. I don't understand. This we're the we're the first team in NFL history to win 12 games three years in a row and not make the conference championship game. First team in the NFL to ever lose to a seven seed. First team, or we were the only team on Wild Card weekend to lose at home. Man, I just, I don't know why I'm. You know what? You muted yourself. Oh my <laughs> God, I'm so mad. I'm muting myself. <laughs> <laughs> I should have seen it coming. I should have seen it coming. Mm-hmm. Why don't even? I'm mad that I'm mad. I'm mad that I'm mad. I should have already accepted it. I should have known, which I did when it was fourteen nothing. I accepted it. There was, I knew. I knew as soon as the Packers scored that first touchdown, I knew. Anyways, I'm gonna. It made TV me feel better. better. It made. I just. It's. It is. Um. You know. Uh. At some <laughs> point, I. I joked that I'm gonna take applications for a new team. I can't do that. Look, we're talking about commitment. We're talking about coaches and players, whether they should be committed or not. You know what? I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right here. Now, having said that, I do hope there are some changes made. I uh, kind of hope the roster. Is kicked into the sun a little bit. Okay, that's probably a little too much. There's some good... We have talent on our... Okay, sorry. It was fun to watch. Um, It was fun to watch not only Baker Mayfield win, because that dude is awesome to watch when he's when he's good, but also to beat the Eagles. Now, I do hate that the Cowboys got beat so bad that it took some of the joy out of the Eagles getting beat. Like, normally, I can always fall back on that. Like, if the Eagles lose, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Took the joy out of that a little bit, but it was still it was still pretty nice and i'm gonna tell you something man it's not only cool to see ou twitter and social media ou fans i think have like a real rallying cry around baker mayfield and in mm-hmm. this bucks team i'm gonna tell you this right now if i was betting i would bet on the lions to win next weekend i would it wouldn't shock me if the bucks won i'm just okay, telling you that right now wouldn't shock me it wouldn't surprise me even a little bit nope i think the bucks can win i do
0: i mean the way the baker just played against philadelphia yeah absolutely and if and if baker is in an is in an nfc championship game oh boy oh boy i mean that would be fun
2: i might fly to uh san francisco myself wear some wear some baker gear and uh
0: mayfield versus brock purdy
2: brock purdy and what what I'm doing here not is not only speaking the Bucks in getting there into existence, but I'm hoping to also jinx the Niners. I'm hoping I'm hoping I'm hoping to do a, a, a positive uh, jinx for the for the Bucks and a negative jinx for the Niners. There you go. Because I think the the Niners are the best team in the league, or at least in the NFC. I don't know. It's probably uh, you know we'll see. But I think it's. I mean, I think if the not only if the game is competitive next weekend, but if the Bucs win, I think you're going to see OU fans rally around an NFL team and a, and a player, probably more than we've seen it in quite some time. Maybe, I mean, Demarco Murray's one with the Cow, run with the Cowboys was pretty mm-hmm. big. That 2014 team was fun. Des caught it. Don't come at me. Yep. Um, Adrian Peterson. Adrian
0: Peterson 2012 with the 12, especially with the Vikings.
2: That was fun. Yeah. That was pretty cool. <laughs> 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 well you're a, you're a Vikings fan, right?
0: I am. Yeah. I I know I know better than to get my hopes up because a kicker is inevitably going to dash those hopes. So, just, you know, it is what I want to
2: say there's a how I met your mother bit about that. Yeah, about I think the there is. Yeah. And there's I'll, something about kickers I'll, always quick, come in and... quick
0: story, quick story. I won't I won't keep it very long, but um before I married my before I married my wife uh, I think it was like the first. It was the first gathering for uh something with her with her parents, and the Vikings were playing uh Seattle in Seattle. I believe it was Wild Card Weekend. I think it was Wild Card Weekend, but it was when Blair Walsh missed that. Like, I mean, from the three yard line, he oh, that's right,
2: left, that's right.
0: I think that was that was the first time. You know, I. I, I watch my I watch my words pretty well. I I I've, I do a pretty good job keeping from saying saying things that I, I probably shouldn't say. But when that happened, a four letter word came out of my mouth. I couldn't hold it in and uh darn. Yeah, that's what it was. Darn. Darn the luck. <laughs> crap. Um, and mind you, my my wife's side of the family is not football inclined they they don't they don't really care about any of that stuff uh, i mean her i think her grandpa her grandpa is a is a dallas cowboys fan but outside of that nothing so i had to explain myself uh and it was probably at that point when i realized i i don't need to be this tied in to to what happens with the vikings anymore
2: <laughs> well that's well that's fair um and god that was but look, I get it for one because I genuinely the the Cowboys game ruined my night. Um, to to lose as a two seed, yeah, that's at home, that yeah. your best chance to get to the the NFC title game since the nineties. I get it, but to lose like that, especially. But also, man, if you don't have football in your life, imagine how miserable. I know that that you know. What God, you do? I can't even.
0: I can't even imagine. I don't know. I don't know what you would do.
2: What do you have? Where does? joy come from and also heartbreak but you can't have joy without heartbreak that's right. the that's the duality of football yes
0: the principles of life like how do you have life without football
2: how do you learn you know, anything that's <laughs> how i mean i mean that's call. i mean football football and basketball to be fair like basketball is like 1a for me and football is like 1a b okay so instead of one A okay. one B, it's one yeah, one A, a and one a, okay. one A B. Um, but no, I mean I'm kidding. There's actually moments uh, where I've actually had moments like when uh, when the Thunder blew uh, the three one lead of the Warriors in 2016. I was so disheartened that there was a part of me that was like Jess. Like I know this is a big deal, but like, and I know you're sad, but like, it's, it's just basketball.
0: Like the angel and the yeah. <laughs>
2: I was trying to tell myself but I think it was just a part but like then the other part of me quickly came over and was like no this is heartbreaking this is the worst you'll ever feel this is awful you'll never recover you'll never recover from this ever it's just I always going to be awful
0: financially recover from
2: <laughs> Oh man well it should be fun to watch uh this weekend a lot of fun yeah. games should be fun to to follow this Bucks team Brian we we had a lot of other stuff that we were going to cover um in this uh in this time but I think we've we've run out of time sharing personal anecdotes about uh how our favorite teams have have uh have let us down. But you know, for for fans out there, n- don't worry. Not only do we have plenty of other football content on this podcast coming at you, but softball season less than a month away, man. Uh OU is the undisputed uh number one team in the country in every poll. They're in they're number one in the preseason Big 12 poll. Mm-hmm. Um softball season's around the corner. It's so cool to see how um, people have uh have rallied around softball, how much bigger it continues to get, how much success. Yeah. I mean, what OU has done for the sport, it's so so cool. And uh, we, we you know, we need to make sure that people know that you know, starting next week, softball, we're gonna start talking about some softball on here. We're gonna sure. t- we're gonna talk a lot about softball, we're gonna write a lot about softball over at ouinsider.com. Um, we're, I mean, this is a huge season for OU, I think it's a huge season for softball. I think this is this is going to be great. We're going to have all that covered and and more uh, here at the Oklahoma Drill and over at OUInsider.com. Make sure to like and subscribe. Uh, on this YouTube channel, we come out with a new episode every Thursday. Again, softball content starts next week. Or you can head over to OUInsider.com, become a VIP member where, where we will have tons of written content uh, You know, with, with softball season coming up, basketball season, obviously still in the thick of things. I'm actually leaving. Uh, This podcast to head over to the Lloyd Noble Center where OU is taking on West Virginia in a game that is pretty important. Now, people who listen to this will know what happens by the time this comes out, but pretty big game. A lot of stuff happening. Junior Day for OU coming up next week. Parker and and Brandon are going to have everything covered for us in that end. A lot of stuff you guys are not going to want to miss. Make sure to like, subscribe. Go over to OUinsider.com. All kinds of stuff going on. Until then, Brian and I will be with you guys next week on the Oklahoma Drill.